for listening to Anne Steve Talk Stuff. Just a heads up with this episode, there were some technical difficulties with internet connection and microphone, and some of the sound quality is not at its best. This has been rectified in other episodes, but unfortunately with this one could not be fixed post. So bear with us as we navigate this world of remote recording. And thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Anne Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and an economist walk into a podcast and stuff happens. Stephen, how are you doing? I am, uh, I was going to say well, I'm like, but I am not actually well. I am a uh, middle-aged economist who's been doing Joe Wicks, the Joe mm-hmm. Wicks workouts for, for nine weeks now. And I was doing push-ups this morning and I felt a big pop in my back. And I just went, I'll just keep going. And that was a poor choice. And now I'm in, yeah, discomfort. Oh. Large amounts of discomfort. So, so if you see me like leaning against things because I'm standing up all the time, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. I note that you are not in your shed. You no. are not in your car. You are not no. in your main room. You're not in your spare room. You're in something <laughs> that's really quite bespoke and special. Uh, yeah. I am pretty much in what we call back in the day a fort, a living room fort. I am between a clothes horse, two chairs, a cushion, a whole bunch of blankets and towels. I've made a little cave for myself, right, and um, make the sound nicer because I want to be near motor so the internet doesn't drop. And I also, the room the modem is in is actually quite a large room that I recently painted. So a lot of stuff was taken out of it. So it's very echoey. And this is my attempt and we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, it, if you were watching this on YouTube, uh, it does make for quite a colorful surround and edge. Um, yeah. You can see some clothes pegs there from the clothes horse. It's like, a, it's like, um, um, it, it's, it's sort of the strangest zoom background ever. <laughs> I like, I like it. I also like that the construction method was you sat down and Jenny, your wife built it around you, yes. which is cool. I actually really like the idea that like it sort of walled you in, you know, yeah. to sort of make the whole thing work. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Okay. Oh, and, I'm not uh, sure if I'll ever be let out is the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, you, you can't hear it, but she's getting cement ready, you know. Like, <laughs> you know to plaster you in and it's going to be fine. I know. Yeah. I, it's yeah, quite yeah. fun, actually, because today at the time of recording, obviously this is going to be going out next week. Um, it's the 22nd of May. Mm. And what's quite nice is you referred to my wife, Jenny, which up to five years ago, this day five years ago, that would not have been a sentence you could have used because. Oh, what would you have been? Your friend? Your partner? My, my special friend. <laughs> how, 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 how could, she, could she have been your civil partner at that point? That civil partner, been? yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Civil partner, which uh, allowed for property rights, but marriage brings you as a family and, okay. and all, all a lot of other things that come with that. Um, Partnership was mainly about sorting out property ownership. So, okay. yeah, very romantic. So <laughs> you, well, an economist obviously was more interesting. So, if you, if if the if the uh, I, I, I was uh, going to call it a Wendy house, but it's not Wendy house. Um, it's Jenny house. If Jenny house collapses on you now, you die. Yeah. Because you're married the same way I'm married, Jenny gets the property that you live in. Right? All debts. All the debts. <laughs> Heir to the family debt. So, yeah, so that's fine. And would that not have been the case in a civil partnership? Civil partnership, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Civil partnership, like property owner, so that if somebody did, the other person didn't have to pay. Like, uh, property would have gone to my family. Well, let's face it, house in his name. If Jenny died, it would have got to her nearest family. Member, and okay. I, Okay. She put me in her will, but then there's inheritance tax and all that. So civil oh, partnership okay. sorted that out. But okay. regarding all the stuff around marriage and around taxes and, as I said, recognition as a family, and the basic like, you know, you're this, not that, kind of um, undermining that comes with different legal state for sure. people, like what that does to sure. society. Um, yeah, that all got kind of cleared away this day five years ago when the country 
made Ireland the most unlikely beacon of hope and progression. Like I remember um, people from Germany going, what the hell? Ireland? I know. This Catholic tree is further than us. Australia, same. We mortified all these big nations who see themselves as progressive places by going, yep, yeah, cool. <laughs> and that was, that was very, very special and, yeah. and very beautiful. I can remember I was abroad um, and I couldn't get back to vote in the referendum. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I funded students who said, we don't have any money to go and they were in like scotland or whatever and i was just like i'll pay you right air flights you can go back and vote they were sad so that worked out great and they're very nice and we're actually still in touch uh um i've kind of kept on kept on with them um which which is great but then i was in australia when they had their they were referendum they had a a plebiscite a plebiscite which was basically a giant survey which returned almost statistically the same results as the polls Return, which is really interesting, and I can remember yeah. being in my office at the University of Melbourne, and there was a giant. Um, I think it was like twelve o'clock. Everyone was going to know where what the result of the of the this big survey thing was, and basically everybody had packed into this, and the University of Melbourne is quite some distance from the centre of the big park yeah. in, in in Melbourne, and um, the thing came out roar of like yes you know and i still remember it. it was it was quite extraordinary actually you know as a, as a moment you live you forget that you know um although it is a pandemic we are we always live through history yeah we always live through history and, and history touched you in 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 in, uh, in, in this case uh, mm. in a really interesting way it's also fascinating that the particularly for that referendum there was a deep, I don't want to call it politicization because that's not fair, but it was a waking up of a whole cohort of people mm. um, to the value of participatory processes. You know, things like citizens, uh, um, citizens, what was it? observatory, citizens engaged Assembly? platforms and uh, the parliaments and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm, it's yeah. an idea. I think Ireland kind of pioneered it. There's a guy called David Farrell uh, and, and uh, uh, Jane Souter from DC. They kind of pioneered that idea of bringing 100 random citizens in, having experts talk to them, and having report these people produce and form uh, parliamentary views, which then forms structure the, um, the constitutional convention. Yeah. Completely blank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I find really interesting is that now people from around common to UCD and DC learn from these two people about how to do it. They're trying to do these things online now, which is just amazing. Like when you think about how we've seen, it's almost like a theocracy at a certain point in time, and now it's sort of a beacon of progressivity in certain respects. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 is that is interesting. I heard an argument that um uh two referendums not not just the marriage but, but also yeah. uh the repeat um was, was very positive encouraging the movement for example and kind of things because oh okay right, they're much more progressive in line with our events so or the broad 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 have uh, kind of i think that's moved in terms of what we do they do, and it's, it's funny because I, I think actually it's not particularly talking about what the situation, but my normal, I, years ago I premiered my play that is all around this, and since then I premiered the following year in 2018, I was in with the show last in this thing moments that we're in now this the lockdown everything that i didn't think oh you know i do the limerick lady podcast that came out yesterday mm. we're recording this today i didn't think normally i'd be like oh we should have maybe a queer artist on limerick lady or i we should maybe make like i'm so disconnected from normal life that it didn't strike me that 
as I said to you before we recorded, I'm a bad gay. I didn't think we need to make a five year anniversary. Like that's a, that's a thing. Five years. We need to maybe shape something around that because it's just like time's gone and I, you know, there's this disconnect. Mm. I keep I'm saying I'm using the same words over and over again, but that to me is mad. Normally, this time of year, certainly for the last three years, I've been very active. Yeah. In in celebrating this uh, this moment, and it just went out of my head. It's kind of a measure of the disruption of it all, isn't it? Right. Mm. Like like. Mm. Sometimes to understand something's value, you have to imagine it's lack, right? So, sure. so you're like, if it's not there, is it valuable? You know, yeah. and I think like, you know, so, so one of the things about the, the crisis is like, we realize if these things aren't there, we are screwed. Mm -hmm. If we don't have people to stack shelves, screwed. If we don't have lawyers working on mergers and acquisitions, how bad? Right? <laughs> How about I know. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of like yeah. they're sort of like okay, there's a whole bunch of people that have to health thing, fine, and that's it, it's not obvious, but it also park that there's there's a whole bunch of people who are like with the population doesn't really get fed, yeah. you know, like 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 who is repairing the internet at the moment? Like they're the they're a key worker, <laughs> whoever that bloke or that lady is, they just have to be like. You know, you know, somebody I, should get a nice, clap for them, right? I heard a nice turn of phrase. Um, her fiance works for one of the Imagine Broadband, yeah. or you know, he's one of the people keeping things going. Yeah. And because it's very insulting to tell someone, "Have you turned it off?" And again, although it is the thing that generally fix most things, mm -hmm. um, they come up with a new term. And so what they say is, well, "So we're going to try power cycling." <laughs> I just intend to proceed uh, just so you're not insulting someone and it's, it's just gas I love it I love it power cycling power cycling but come here I will say so yeah it's a lovely significant day the time of recording is um, and uh, it is remember it in my little in my little room for it. Rainbow thing going on. It's, it's, it's oh, you know, you could definitely. You could feel this, it out a friend if you of mine, wanted, like. a friend of mine, crocheted this uh, this blanket for us deliberately. Well, rainbows. Um, but today we are sticking with our guns of uh, of trying to. Although for the last few minutes we have referred to our situation, but we're trying to stick with nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. So today. You want to talk to me about coffee and how it, okay, I had it written down. It's gone now. Something about coffee and the Irish industrial strategy. That's right. So okay. I want to tell you a story about not just coffee, but mm. Irish coffee. So the Irish coffee is one of our, is one of our most famous cultural exports. Um, and it, there's it, it, it's there's a, a very large debate about where it started and who actually created it but somewhere between Boynes and Shannon Airport this idea of mixing whiskey coffee cream and sugar into a glass and just knocking back that deliciousness and by the way everyone who's listening to this I know you're thinking I should have an Irish coffee tonight you <laughs> should have an Irish coffee Definitely. If it's eight o'clock in the morning and you're listening to this, wait a bit. But after that, have an Irish coffee because they're delicious. They're so fantastic. And the brown sugar makes it. And you feel like you feel cool when you're putting the, the cream over the thing. I spent many, many years as a barman. I started working in, in a pub when I was 11. And wow. I finished when I was 25. So I, I, I made many, many, many Irish coffees. And I, I'm a huge fan of them to this day. But what I love about the Irish coffee is its history, which so so uh, we're both uh, uh, from Limerick. Well, I'm not from Limerick, uh, but I live in Limerick, and um, I love the history. You're now of, of Limerick. I'm of Limerick. A man of Limerick. Yeah, yeah. If you say something like that, you're not from Limerick. <laughs> but anyway, the, uh, the the I'm a man of Limerick, you know. Yeah. But there's a there's an English commentator, and his name is uh, Brendan O'Neill. He's sort of a, a shock jock sort of chap. And he writes these sort of 
hilariously contrarian takes, you know. And mm -hmm. one of the things he, he, he did on telly oh, during the Brexit referendum uh, was to describe himself in an incredibly plummy uh, English accent as, you know, of Irish roots of peasant stock. And it's like, God, I think you probably you've probably missed that. You know, you, there, there's a certain layer that, that's just been worn away by time. If you feel mm. like that's okay to say. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that. Like I just did that. I'm out of Limerick. I, anyway, I, um, in fairness to you, Stephen, I did it to you. That's 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 true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So I blame you. That's cool. Uh, so Foynes and Shannon, somewhere between those two, this thing was created. This delicious drink, which is like a cultural export for the country. It uh, looks a bit like a Guinness, really tasty. And the reason it was really helpful was it, uh, before Shannon Airport was built, there was an airway in Foynes. Lots of boats or planes used to come over from uh, uh, the US and they used to stop at Foynes to refuel. Um, and they, the, the people would be freezing and they would be very stiff and they'd get off this plane and they, 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 they'd come to this, it's actually really interesting watching the, uh, watching YouTube videos of the planes landing because they're these little sort of scuttery looking things, but they were the height of uh, uh, technology at the time. And so uh, people, people would get off the planes and they would have an Irish coffee. And this became a thing. So, so, so in Foynes and then later in Shannon, airport which is uh, in the midwest it's, uh, if, you're, if you're not from uh, uh, the midwest of ireland it's 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 the it's the main regional airport um and uh it their their the stopover became a thing mm -hmm. so technology so this is the first part of the story the we're, we're, the, the time we're talking about is the mid to late 1940s so just after the second world war um just after the Second World War, um, we're talking maybe 1946, 1947, the years disputed. But this coffee thing gets created, and it gets created in order to warm up frozen passengers from transatlantic uh, travel who are stopping over at, at Point Slash to get somewhere else. Right? That's the fix for all this. Then uh, a man called Brendan O'Regan enters our story. And the story is, this guy was a marketing genius. He was okay. a genius. He was as much of an architect of, uh, this is this is a, a sort of controversial hot take that I've, that, 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 that I've got for you. Hmm. He's a much, as much an architect of the, um, the, the Ireland that we have today as like Sean Lamas or TK Whitaker, but in a, in, a, in a much more subterranean way, because this guy had a really brilliant idea, which was quite sneaky, but very innovative. So the, the, the key thing about the people transferring over the Atlantic and landing in Ireland was they were wealthy, quite wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And they had money to spend and they had time. So you've got lots and lots of bored, price insensitive people yeah. who are traveling and feel a bit like out of their ordinary space so he was like i should sell them stuff what should i sell them why not sell them whiskey sell them the stuff that they made the irish coffee in, right yeah so no worries there's a problem though which is excise duty so excise duty is a tax that's levied on things like uh, cigarettes and alcohol and and, and, and various other things um, and it's levied at the point uh, at which it's purchased, right? Uh, and, and then at which it's consumed. So if you buy yeah. a bottle of uh, whiskey in Ireland and there's no tax treaty, which is an important thing we'll come on to in a minute, in mm -hmm. Britain, you have to pay the tax when you get to Britain, right? Okay, yeah. So this is the genius bit. O'Regan realizes I've got lots of rich people milling around. If I create a situation where the price is lower here than anywhere else, they will buy it all here. And I can then use that to market Irish goods to these people. So Irish butter, Irish whiskey, uh, uh, Irish linen, uh, 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 all the Irish stuff that, that you might have seen. Yeah. And uh, if, there, if I can get rid of the excise, I can do it with cigarettes and alcohol. Big win. 
small problem that is totally illegal right okay there's a reason that this stuff gets highly taxed it's addictive there's there, there's depressive problems it's not great to consume this stuff in excessive quantities and also it's a massive revenue earner for the government so you've got to rock up to the government and say hello i would like to do an illegal thing that makes you a lot of money but it's going to cost you a lot of money to do it right tough sell tough sell i'm going to take yeah. i'm going to take money out of your pockets in order to give you more money later on right yeah so the irish government uh didn't have, didn't have a lot of revenue earning measures at the time and was very persuaded of the idea of getting more people made sense and uh, you know if they got a small cut of arts it was better than a big cut of a small, small okay cut, yeah yeah so they went okay here's what they meant that he the, the argument that o'regan used to convince the irish policymakers is i think the piece of genius that i i i, I just love it and i would like to relay it to you now okay in the 15th 16th and 17th centuries sailors going on ships were compensated with uh, duty-free rum and spirit of all kinds right okay so you're going on your ship it was very unlikely you were going to make it back right and you could bring your own store of grog with you right and there was no tax paid to the sovereign at the time and these rules are maritime law so the law of the sea and they they have held for centuries yeah so Regan says ships are kind of like airplanes yeah passengers are kind of like sailors <laughs> so they're just sailors of the air <laughs> so this law should apply and the irish government were like yeah that's fair enough he convinced them to apply this duty-free status to drink yeah. so the duty-free thing the duty free that every person in the world has gone through it's, it, it's all a creation of this dude brendan o'regan from shannon in the 1940s so wow. after that people realized hang on a second i can use my and the design of duty free by the way is a behavioral economics miracle the whole place is designed to bore the arse off you in <laughs> yeah. order that you so like i'd love to talk about the, the layout of a duty free shop because every yeah. duty free shop i've ever been into i've thought about this quite carefully yeah. it's really really interesting it's designed to increase the the boredom threshold to the point that you're like yeah i'll buy a giant bag of M&Ms you know like it makes no sense to shit you buy there I'll have a wristwatch why you know but it's like but it's just like you just you pay for these over kind of ridiculous things there's a sort of air of false luxury you know there yeah. and it all comes from O'Regan right so wow. uh, so then countries real countries particularly Ireland realizes hang on a second we can use our tax policy so tax excise duty no excise duty yeah stimulate demand for what we sell here yes you can sweet okay so what we're going to do is we're going to do tax treaties with different countries which says which says okay if you sell me stuff i won't tax you and you won't tax me is that fair or i'll tax you at this 5% instead of 40% are you yeah. good with that and these other countries said yeah sure no worries that's fine you're ireland you're tiny nobody cares and sure why not so we have these bilateral tax treaties So, yeah just just between Ireland and other countries and a vast network of bilateral tax treaties remember we're talking the 50s right yeah. no european union none of that stuff this is all totally new right and um inside because of the bilateral tax treaties we 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 also in tandem have the creation of what's called the Shannon development zone so this ring of of land around Shannon airport which is used to yeah. bring companies in charge them very little tax again it's just excise same idea no no corporation tax that kind of yeah. stuff bring people in like that helps create Shannon town which is itself a fascinating story of multiculturalism i'd love to tell sometime yeah just i'm fascinated by shannon i just think it's it's just a wonderful place to 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 think about and uh, it's think also one of the only places that's done on a grid system they had the first comprehensive yeah. school in the country it's just yeah as an urban experiment it's brilliant um 
So tax treaties. Uh, that's so we have this. So we have people coming in, uh, 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 setting up companies, paying mm -hmm. little tax, but employing lots of people. That's called export-led growth. So you bring people in, bring companies in. They mm -hmm. hire our workers, they sell the stuff abroad, and our economy grows. It's export-led growth, which is the big idea that has powered the Irish state from 1958. I can precisely date it because that's when it becomes official government policy. There's a thing called the Programme for Economic Expansion written by Dr. T.K. Whitaker and Sean Lamas, who was the teacher at the time. And that basically changes the entire course of Irish economic history. And that's one of the reasons that we're one of the richest countries in the world now. Um, and we have the broadband to be able to be yapping to each other. Uh, True that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's cool. So um, from then, we also have the creation of the aircraft leasing industry. So the aircraft leasing industry begins life again in this region, thanks to a guy called Tony Ryan, Ryanair, and all Ryanair. that. Um, but it's basically aircraft leasing. And it's, 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 it's really smart people who figured out how to use this. The policy kind of mutates in the 90s, uh, where we realize, okay, so if we can do that for jobs and manufacturing companies, we can probably do that for services. And the best services are like final services. So what okay. we can do that with, you know, banking and stuff. And so then the Irish Financial Services Centre gets created, the IFSC. Okay. And this, there, there's, there's tens of thousands of people that work there now. It's very, very, um, very, very successful. But it's essentially working there too. I, I worked, I worked in a files department in um oh i have a funny little off offshoot story, off story. Go for it. but we'll keep we'll stay with you so uh back in around 2001 i was temping in arthur anderson at okay. the time and i was they were doing a big file clear out and my job was to send some files for uh they run an audit and i was to pick files that were meant to be sent to be destroyed because they needed to make more room for things. So things before a certain date, I was sticking barcodes on things, data entry, mind-numbing thing. I might have told you the story already. If I have, apologies. Sure. Um, but basically, I was there working in this warehouse, sticking things on boxes of files, putting them into a corner in a place called Iron Mountain, which is file storage. And I had a little radio. I was listening to Eamon Dunphy at the time. And uh he's like and um now we're going to talk about uh the items on today's show blah 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 the pope says something and arthur anderson being investigated for destroying files and <laughs> this is second like uh the radio is talking to me the radio is looking at me <laughs> long before smart anything and that was basically the beginning of enron scandal whoa Whoa. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm glad to surprise the world. I did. This, this was... <laughs> Arthur Anderson. Yeah, they're not called Arthur Anderson anymore. They're called. Oh no, they they changed their name because obviously I can't you know. But yeah, they they changed their name. They're like we can't be them anymore. Let's just be another thing. Yeah, that's true. But they just became something else. Yeah, but I they, yeah. So there you go. Anyway, you were you were on your IFSC got built. No, I'm just, I just want to I just want to get back to the moment. Where you were like, the radio was like, I don't know, the fires will be destroyed. And now you are like throwing stuff into a giant fire. Going, oh. <laughs> um, should I stop or go faster? I mean, that's, that's the only question. That's the only question. Stop or go faster? What did your supervisor say? Was it more like, oh. I uh, was, I literally had, uh, these are the dates, like it was so, it was actually quite boring, but like I, these dates for, you know accounting these dates for something yeah. else uh you go into this pile of, i didn't physically destroy anything i just would send them to be destroyed oh, oh, oh. The, the, the files were only resting in my <laughs> they were only resting, they were only resting. <laughs> they're resting in my uh in in this really dark dusty room me and this other young woman where we were just working together and really bored and folding up boxes and trying to do you know compete who could do it faster you know assemble a flat pack cardboard box you know we'd like time each other and like, i mean did you win so sometimes yeah sometimes she won it was just filling time because you could not do this job for eight hours a day do you know like you need a few good hours in you and then your mind just absolutely starting like just data entry putting 
a sticker on a file and a number and a barcode and then putting that file in a box and putting that barcode into the computer so that someday someone can just type in that file and they know exactly where it is but this was the this is the work so yeah i was um trying to find fun creative ways to fill my time but yeah literally Eamon Dunphy like it was that moment of just what what (laughs) the thing I'm doing right now is illegal (laughs) it's been found out (laughs) I was only a temp like I was only there you know um... you're only following orders I was on following the orders (laughs) Um, sorry apologies Jesus Uh, anyway back to the (laughs) edit that out again okay um Back to the IFEC being built. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, the whole point is, the whole point about this is, we realized, because of this Brendan O'Egan moment, that we could use our tax policy in a way to make ourselves richer, right? And it's that idea of, it's that idea of, um, being clever about taxes that mm. starts the Irish story running, the Irish horse sort of running faster than other, other horses. I often think about economic growth as a horse. So, you know, mm. Ireland and South Korea were about as rich in 1950. You know? And China and Chad were about as rich as, they, as, as each other in, in, the, in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And that one is far, far, far richer than the other, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> it's that kind of thing. So we just ran faster and that's why we have all, all the stuff. But it, what is really interesting um, is how that is our big idea. You know, and, and like there's lots of critics of that idea. Some people say, oh, you're a tax haven. And, uh, you know, and- Could this be like where our corporation tax goes? No, corporation tax is just that we just levy corporation tax like every other country, okay. right? But it's the idea of use a lower level of taxes mm-hmm. to in- attract people from abroad. Mm-hmm. They will then arrive and then they'll hire our people and, you know, pay more tax, right? It's kind of like the, um, the film industry, would that be? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So the film yeah. industry created by, uh, very much created by uh, Michael D. Higgins when he was the, um, Minister for Arts back in the 90s, I think. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe 94. Yeah, the Rainbow Government. Yeah, so uh, so lots of tax breaks, bring people over, create new things, right? That, that I mean, every country does it, right? But it's yeah. just this idea of the idea of figuring out that something that looks really solid, tax policy, right? Yeah. Is not solid at all. It's just a bunch of ways of doing things that have existed for centuries. And if we modify them slightly, we alter the behavior of millions of people. Yeah. Right? It's fascinating. Like, it's absolutely fascinating. You know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by taxes, and particularly their ability to guide our behavior in mm. these particular ways. Like, I remember I went, I deliberately went to the supermarket the day before the plastic bag tax was brought in. Right. And I stood around like a weirdo watching people bag their stuff right and i watched this one lady and she was like taking an individual plastic bag and actually wrapping each thing that she 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 uh um had right um not because she was incredibly wasteful this lady i don't want to berate her but because she like every other economic agent in in the in 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 the economy has anticipatory behavior she was thinking tomorrow this shit will be 15 cent to go I will take all the free ones today, please. <laughs> very smart lady. Very smart lady. Not very economically uh, or, or environmentally friendly, but mm. very smart lady. And so lots of people were doing this. The next day, people came in, giant hemp baskets and, you know, all this. Taxes do guide our behavior. They do change how we behave, you know. Yeah. And not, we, always think of, we always think about taxes being increased or levied upon us. They just, you know, you have to pay this now. Pay a property tax, get over it, you know. But when we reduce taxes, we also change behavior. Yeah. And when we change taxes relative to other people, so it doesn't really matter what your tax rate is, as long as it's the same as everyone else. It could be a 95% tax rate, right? Mm-hmm. As long as it's everyone else's. The minute you go to 85%, you're immediately more competitive than a lad who's charging 95%. Of right? course, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, um, yeah, anyway, t- tax policy is fascinating. And the, the more you think about it, it becomes very hard to think about other things because you're thinking, hang on a second, you just sign a bit of paper, 
and then you have your tax people collecting it. So you as the government get more or less money. Yeah. And then everyone's behavior kind of alters, right? So mm. the argument, the right wing argument against income taxes or high income taxes is if you if your income tax rate is on the last euro you earn is like 52. So mm -hmm. you only you only keep 48 cent of every euro you earn extra. Yeah. You're not going to work that hard. Course. Like, be like, no, be grand. I'll go. I'll go to the beach. Chill out. Um, yeah. So that's their argument that 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 high taxes disincentivize increased productivity. Mm -hmm. Some are there's some truth to that, but the 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 there there's some experimental evidence that that's true. But what's really interesting about all this is what happens when you drop the taxes. Yeah. Yeah. So we know what happened when we dropped income taxes, because we did that in the early two thousands, and we went bananas. <laughs> We went absolutely bananas. Um, it was the good times. Um, uh, Tommy Tiernan has a great line about this. He's like, of course, of course, we spent too much during the good times. That's what made them the good times. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I, I love that line because it's sort of, it's true in that like, you know, solipsistic kind of, oh, you know, truth uh, way. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by these, these, these lovely nuggets of economic history. But there is a joy, isn't it, in the the joy in the purchase? Like there's that joy of moment. Like that's kind of often nothing to do with what you're buying. It's oh, the yeah. joy of buying the thing, whatever it is. Like um, like I even know for myself now because you know everything is you can't you can't just wander off and, and buy something. That I've bought some stuff online and there's such a ah there's this ah moment. I'm buying a thing and you realize oh because I'm I mean apart from a weekly shop that needs to happen there's a lot less um day-to-day -day little bits of spending and you there there is a little kind of what what's the word when when the endorphins or something from yeah. Yeah. You know? and and i yeah. think certainly i never really was a, a celtic tiger cub i was around that time but i was never really i was obviously you know committing crimes in a, as a temp, <laughs> but not earning a lot of money. Committing global fraud. No, yeah, I did in that time, and I, I earned enough to, to live. I wasn't, I was cutting of me. Ooh, that's yeah. not arguing that points would go up. At midnight, not the euro. It's like it's it's now five and six instead of five, and going, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that's I guess that's normal. Which is yeah, taxed, right? Yeah, you've yeah, just yeah, been yeah. taxed, but very for wanting more gargle, yeah. like you know, they're like, yeah, pay it, you know, they're pay it because they're now out, out, right? They're not just out, they're out, out. You know, if you're there after but, midnight. Pints. Yeah. This well, there's a, there's a place. I'm not sure if I've told this story before either, but um, there is a takeaway in somewhere in Galway. I won't say where, but they would sell bottles of wine on the sly. Um, after like you'd order your chips or whatever, and and, and a bottle of red wine, they just put it into a bag and, and sell it to you. And it was hideous. Like I mean, you drink it, a glass of it, and you pay you know 15 quid for it or whatever because it's two in the morning i'm getting more wine and you go back to someone's for, house and this stuff was so vile but because it was something you could get after hours you'd buy it and it was so disgusting but you know the logic unfortunately that is drunken logic as well yeah was the thing was, uh, yeah. like, so, so they're doing something illegal right yeah. they're lashing on like it probably cost them two quid right? i would say they're so. lashing on 13 quid on to making a really decent they're getting their higher increments down whatever um but like you yeah. just think at that point at that point there's this beautiful economic idea it's called elasticity right and it's the responsiveness of a, a, a of a consumer to a price change so imagine if they just got slightly better, less awful wine for like five or a bottle and charged you 20 quid, yeah. right? Yeah. They're now making not 13, but 15. And 
you're yeah. not, you know, <laughs> drinking methane, you know? So it's Having like, I, like I just feel like, I just feel like at that point, it's like, I don't care that it's 20 quid. You know, at that point you're like, oh, you know, this feels a little bit expensive. It's like, no, 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 I, I want a bottle of wine. I don't really care. Rock on, yeah. 20 bucks, that's fine, right? And it yeah, feels yeah. like it, they could, by just experimenting, right? They could just, they could run an economic yeah. experiment on everyone and just be like 13 versus 20 and see if anyone cares. Yeah. I think the answer probably would be no one will care. They just have slightly nicer wine, you know? I know. Um, oh. Actually, I remember the nickname of it was because uh, it was a Chinese takeaway. They called it. We used to call it the Winies. <laughs> I think it's still there. I don't know, and I hate to say this. I was I was doing a master's. Like I wasn't young. <laughs> I was thirty. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it so much worse. Of course it does. <laughs> That's what I do. Oh, I hurt my back. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I was laughing too much at that moment. Funny, I'm my environment like that. You work in Towns' pub uh, in Limerick, and it, 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 it's under different ownership now, but it used to be in the family. And the place was pretty much um, just kept open by a steady group of regulars. And there was probably one or two men there who, because I was on a part time wage, they probably paid my wage every week by the amount of pints they drank do you know what I mean like uh yeah yeah just they'd um they had their steady number of pints every day and this is what they did but I remember this period of time Diageo took over Guinness and they just kept putting 10 cent they they kept putting money on on the kegs and mm. they the the pub would try and redistribute that maybe okay we'll, we'll put 10 cent on the whiskey we'll put we'll put something onto something else and try and keep the Guinness under say at the time under four euro because this yeah. was back in 2006 mm. and the lads uh, i just remember they'd be like oh we'll follow it we'll, we'll stick with it to four euro and then eventually like the pub would have to put 10 pence on on, on the guinness yeah. and there was some point where i think it went to five and they were like that's it and they all switched to beamish all of them just <laughs> overnight the pub became a beamish pub now, loads of people still came in and order Guinness. It was grand. But lo it was just so interesting to watch all these men who for years, like decades, yeah. had drank Guinness and number of pints of Guinness every day. Mm. They just went... Did they, they collectively went, decide to switch? Collectively, de collectively decided. And it was just a feeling of betrayal. And you know what? No. Yeah. You are no longer our drink. You are just a conglomerate or whatever. And interesting. Yeah. So they just they just went. This is not conversing with our identity, but we're it, like. So I think if one person had gone, I'm just going to drink Beamish now. People would have been like, really, mm -hmm. you know. But the fact that everyone did it simultaneously yeah. means that it's okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And there was a few men who did, and I am saying men because predominantly the, yeah, no. the main the main yeah. lads who come in. Uh, there were plenty of women who came in as well, but um, this kind of cohort who who really kept the place open. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just so interesting to watch that just switch. And there was, I said, there were men who would drink Beamish, but yeah. they were in the minority. And then it just became this. If it's a Beamish, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you see, that's the best thing about this stuff is that you, 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 when you start thinking about this, you start thinking about why behaviors change, mm. and it's like that's why. Right, and then everyone just kind of comes to comes to a, a new solution, mm -hmm. a new kind of stable place. What economists call equilibrium, but yeah. they just went. We're all just beamish drinkers now. It's like yeah, sound. So demand for Guinness just plummets in that pub, and beamish explodes. And the lads are like, yep, yeah, cool, thanks. Yep. And I mean, I've never really noticed that much of a difference between the two. I'm not gonna lie, I, I wouldn't take the Pepsi challenge with either. But, yeah. <laughs> the price, the price is a big difference. Price is a big difference, right? So at the time, Beamish by at this point, Guinness had gone up to five euro. Beamish was three ninety. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so big difference. Yeah, and, and if I you're think... drinking lots of pints, like that's it does. You know, build... Well, okay, okay, that's a free pint every seven pints, right? Do you know? Yeah. No. So it. No. Or yeah. Mm. Yeah. So this was it yeah. was very interesting to watch and just how 
yeah, I think it, that kind of sense of this isn't our drink anymore. This book, um, don't care about us, and so we don't care about them. Whereas Beamish Crawford was, I don't know what it is now, but certainly at the time was a bit more of an independent um, yeah. brewery. Mm. But I think what we can establish definitely is a lot of our economic policies and, and measurements can be measured literally in alcohol. Drink and reaction to it, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it, uh, and the, yeah. so well. no, just the Irish coffee, because I'd heard that, I've heard that story in, in bits and pieces. Yeah. I think the story I heard was a chef was working in one of the, those places and just kind of threw it together in a bit of a crisis. Like, as you said, people need to be mm. warm and make a decision. Yeah. Oh, I have these things and that'll shut them up or whatever. Yep, yep. Necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, there's very few hot drinks that, 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 do, that are worse if you lash a bit of whiskey into them, right? That's true. And American <laughs> cream... I mean, it's 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 an example of the thing talked for the. It's like it's a cup of coffee with some whiskey in it. Oh, now it's a cup of coffee with some whiskey in it, and and some cream in it. Same thing as a tractor, right? A tractor is an engine with it with the wheels on it. Um, it's a car without a chassis. Same idea. It's just stuff is all there. You just have to assemble it in a different way to make a new thing. You know. And, um, yeah, yeah, and it is interesting. Again, the adjacent possible comes up again in the in the uh, in Tom Carlson pub, right? The adjacent possible is everyone drinks Guinness. Nope, everyone drinks Beamish. Beamish. And everyone yeah. switches. So, which brings us back again to the four day work week. Everyone works five days a week. Nope, everyone works four days a week. Same yeah. thing. Guinness Beamish. Right. Yeah. Same idea, and that's it, that's why this stuff never gets boring, right? Because you yeah. see these things and they they kind of connect across different areas, and then it becomes like, all oh, right, okay, that's that's why that is. All right, fine. That's why that is, and and the thing that we, it, I think it's important to see the the connectivity because it allows you to question something. So it's not like, well, we cannot move on this. It's like, well, you can, <laughs> and you have. <laughs> and now, for example, in Europe, there's a really big. Um, uh, there's a really big move to re remove the, the basically the excess that Ireland uh, uh, collects from uh, companies like Apple and uh, Microsoft and these kind of uh, uh, companies. And the the movement is you guys are tiny. You're taking too much of this. Your industrial policy is in a certain sense too successful yeah. or too accommodative or too nice to these rich U.S. multinationals. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some of that. Yeah. Right. Now, on on global moral grounds, that's unimpeachable. Of course, they should do that. It's not like these companies earn all that money in a in a market of five million people, right? Um, yeah. But on practical grounds, that's really tough because that money that that's what pays for the health service. Yeah. But did we collect this? We do. We collect a lot of it. So our corporate tax rates, our corporate taxes are sixteen percent or eighteen percent of our total taxes. But wasn't yeah. there a, a Apple bill we just didn't? We're like, oh, you're right, lads. Yeah, no, the, the, that, the, the argument there is that Apple were got a preferential tax deal that they weren't entitled to from the Irish government. Okay. The Irish government dispute this. Apple dispute this. The European Commission say Apple owes Ireland the taxes it didn't collect plus mm -hmm. interest. Ireland and Apple are appealing because, and this is, is a very interesting uh, argument as well, Arla Ireland is saying, they didn't get a preferential tax deal. No one gets a preferential tax deal. If anyone, if it's proven that one person did get a preferential tax deal, well then every single judgment of the revenue potentially could come up and say, well, why didn't I get that? That was unfair. Okay. Right? Or, 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 you know, a bigger, like a massive company, like, I don't know, Intel or something, or Microsoft could be like, well, why didn't we get that? Do you know? Okay. Yeah. So like there is a, there's a lot of sense in the appeal that the Irish government is making, you know, okay. it's saying, look, we're a sovereign nation. We get to decide our own tax laws. You guys don't. Sorry. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, there, there would be a lot of support actually in Europe and amongst the countries of Europe for Ireland's position, but quiet okay. support. Cause it's like, no, no, these guys don't tell us what to do. Right. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, we'd like loads of money off those guys. 
<laughs> yeah, well, right. that. I'm conscious of time as usual, Stephen, mm. and my fort may not hold much longer. It'll, I'm kidding. It'll hold forever. Fort is like, your <laughs> fort looks solid. It's like, solid. it looks solid. <laughs> Although, oh, oh, actually, uh, now that you say it, there's a bit of a chink kind of appearing. Up here. Behind, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit yeah. of a gap there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but listen, it's fascinating really. to know that Irish coffee has shaped so much of our world and, and the, like, duty free and everything. Um, yeah. We love claiming, we love claiming stuff in Limerick as well. Like, that's it's just a great story. And we kind of claim Shannon, which is lousy because it's technically County Clare. It is a bit unfair. It is a bit unfair. Yeah. 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 We do. I think it's probably best to think about ourselves as a bit West anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose because the Shannon River goes through Limerick. But I mean, there's an amazing musician called God Knows mm-hmm. um, yeah. who is from Shannon, but he totally goes by limerick so really? we don't argue That's with him interesting yeah i should i shouldn't doubt him on, yeah. on this yeah. sorry god he's a fabulous fellow as well brilliant guy. amazing mm. um listen uh until next we talk um happy five years or diverse day on learning to me i get <laughs> And to you, it's a nicer country as well. I feel like that's exactly true. The day afterwards, um, saw all these pictures of people just holding hands, and it was just like, yeah, it's just better. It's just better. better. We always have the uh, power to take these arbitrary things and just change them. That's exactly. I think that's the whole point of the podcast. I think it is. And on that note, we shall say goodbye. And until next, we talk. Have a good one. You You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kean Reinhardt, theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne Blake at Anne Blake 78. She is an Anne with no E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag and Steve Talk.